kids for workshop. Come on, let's make some noise for our children. Come on. Well, we're excited that you're here tonight, and we're excited for, come on, just the work that God's already doing in your heart already this evening. And, and uh, we're, uh, we're so looking forward to October and November and the series that Vanessa already talked a little bit about that we're calling, we got our slide that's going to pop up there in just a minute. We're calling it, it's, it's hashtag clad, and we're not going to explain what that is yet. We're trying to create a little anticipation for you. Come on. Come on. But, but it is going to be a series for us where we challenge you to reach out into your world like Vanessa talked about. And so I want to cast a little bit of vision for that before we get into tonight's message. At the beginning of the year, I went to the, the leadership team and said, hey, I really feel like God has spoken to my heart that we're supposed to be intentional about reaching three groups of people. And those three groups of people are the discipled, the disconnected, and the undevoted. We want to be a church where if you've been walking with Christ for 50 years, that you leave the weekend service and say, that service was just for me, right? If, if you're a person and you're the, the disconnected, which means that maybe you've been hurt by the church or someone you know that's just given up on the church, they're just, they're, they've, they've made a decision for Christ and, and the heaven to come is promised for them, but they just don't want to have anything to do with Christian community anymore, that that person would be able to come to a service like this and say, I think that service was just for me. And we want people who are undevoted, people maybe have never even opened a Bible in their life, would be able to come to a service like this and say, I think they designed that service just for me. We want everybody leaving every service, even though it's the same service, feeling like it was just for them. We were sharing that in our Friday Night Life last night with some people that are making some decisions about joining the City Life Church. And they said, well, that's a tall order. And we said, I know, that's why we're so excited about it. Right? Because that's where we want to live. That's part of our theme that we launched the year with. It's called Living in the Gap. It's based out of Psalm 124.1 where Israel said, If the Lord had not been on our side, if we dream a dream that only we can accomplish, what kind of dream is that? We want a dream that we have in our heart that if God doesn't step in and make up the difference, we're going to fail miserably. And so this series is all about the discipled, the disconnected, and the undevoted. It's about the discipled because if you call this your home church and you've been walking with Christ, you're a devoted follower of Christ, we want to challenge you to look out into your world and say, God, who do I know who's disconnected and undevoted? And you're going to invite them to a life group. You're going to invite them to a service. You might be here tonight and you know the Bible backwards and forwards. And that part of your spiritual life is like Goliath. It's a giant. It's enormous. But if I want to ask you the question, when's the last time that you personally played a, a vital role, an instrumental role in somebody making a vow of devotion to Christ, how long ago was that for you? And for you, you might say, never. And that part of your spiritual life is really small. Part of this series is to challenge you to grow in that area of your life. God wants every area of your life to be like a Goliath. He wants every area of your spiritual life to be big and vibrant and strong. And so part of this series is to give you an opportunity to grow in this area of your life, to say, I'm going to come for those seven weeks. I'm going to come to Life Group for those seven weeks, not just to say what's in it for me, although that's important, but that you're going to come and engage and say, how can I change my world through bringing somebody else to be a part of it. I'm telling you, it's going to be a historic seven weeks for our church. All right, let me do this one. 
the life groups. We have more life groups than we've ever had before. We're excited about all of these, and, and some of those are for Williamsburg. Some of those are, are, are spread throughout the, the region and throughout the peninsula, and I know that sometimes you look into your schedule and you say, I'm not sure I have time to commit to a weekly life group for the next seven weeks, but what I want to challenge you to think about is, is, is are the people that were instrumental in you becoming a follower of Christ, what if they had adopted the attitude, I don't have time, and you fill in the blank. Where would you be today in your walk, right? All of us have had people in our lives who reached out to us, who made time for us, who invited us, who rearranged their schedules so that we could be a priority. You've got to be willing to do that for those seven weeks for other people. So we're challenging you. Rearrange your schedule. Dial back some of your commitments. If you call this your home church, you must be a part of one of these groups because there are people in this world who are looking for you, for your invitation, for your direction. You're the person that God put on this planet to reach them and we don't want you to miss that assignment there are people in my life that I can point back to in my early 20s when I made a vow of devotion to Christ that made an effort they took time to reach out to me and it made all the difference in the world we want to be a church that does that for other people Matthew 20 28 says that Jesus came not to be served but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for many. And we hope that stirs your heart as much as it is beginning to stir ours. And part of what a, this, 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 uh, this series is that we're launching something new at the City Life Church. We're excited about that starting the first Saturday in October, we're going to launch something new here. Part of our discipleship uh, commitment is that it's going to be a foundation series. It's going to be taught by different leaders in the church. And we're going to do them from 3.30 to 4.15 every Saturday for the first foreseeable future, and then you'll come in for pre-service prayer at 4.30. And it's designed so they'll be broken up into four-week chunks, and so it's based on the Larry Kreider series, Biblical Foundations, so people will be able to jump in and move out. You don't have to come to the weeks before to know what every week is a standalone week, but every month we'll have one topic. So one month might be on what does the Bible have to say about baptisms? What are all the baptisms that the Bible speaks out? What does it mean to be a part of a church family? That might be a theme for one month. And so people that you bring who are starting to, to ask some questions, what does it mean to be a devoted follower of Christ, that you'll be able to bring them to that class for certain ones that might be of interest to them. We're excited about that getting started here, and we're excited about all of these layers that God is adding in here, the discipled, the disconnected, and the undevoted. So Father, in this moment, we just bow our hearts before you as a congregation, and we say, God, fill in the gap. Fill in the gap. This dream that you have inspired us to dream, to see our city transformed, we know it starts with the people that are right across the street. We know that this desire that we have to see our city transformed, it starts with the people that are sitting next to us at work. This desire and this dream that we have to see our city transformed, it starts with the person that's in line behind us at the grocery store. That, Father, that you are going to stir our heart to look outside of ourselves into a hurting and a needing world because you're the answer and we carry it with us everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen, amen. All right, we're in a series called Prayer. ASAP. We're going to explain that in just a minute, and, and uh, I'm wrapping up my part of it tonight, and Pastor Justin's going to, going to bring it home next weekend, and uh, I know it's going to be good. Come on. I'm not sure we're going to leave prayer as a theme behind completely, though, so that was part of the original plan for, the, for, for these six months or so, but I, there's something in my heart that's not ready to quite let it go, so we might be picking up with this theme after we do uh, hashtag clad, so we'll, we'll see. 
We'll see. You can't, you can't talk about prayer enough. Am I right? All right, so faith promise. We're doing all these faith promise stories are just rolling in. So another one came in. So this is Pastor Fred. I knew I wanted to participate in the faith promise giving. And God has been trying to build in me a heart for some time now. A giving heart for some time now. My initial number that I wanted to give was meager. But even then, it felt like a stretch. We were at a weird spot financially, had very little wiggle room. God, just like he has done for others, challenged my thinking and asked me to double that figure. I set it in my heart to give what he was asking, even though I had no idea how it would come in. We have been trying to refinance our house for a year and a half to take advantage of the lower rates. I actually sent you an email praising God for it finally working out and how much money we would save for it to all fall through just shortly thereafter. Well, this time we went to a different lender and it looked like all was well for the refinance and we even signed the closing papers. However, we got a phone call the very next day canceling our loan because they could not count my wife's income because now she's doing an in-home daycare. The lender told me that if I could pay off one of our loans, then just my income would qualify us. So we were able to cash out some assets, pay off the loan. We re-signed the papers. We saved over $100 a month on our mortgage, got rid of another loan, plus its monthly payment. Additionally, during the refinance, we basically were allowed to skip an entire mortgage payment. And with all that said, we had enough money to give our full faith promise, plus buy some new appliances for our house, which we desperately needed. Come on, it's good, isn't it? Oh, no, you can clap for that. So as you're having your faith promise experience, we hope you shoot it in. We want to read it. We'll protect your, you know, your privacy and take out some stuff that people might be able to. Because some of you, you know who you are. You're trying to figure out who it is, right? Picking up on the, we know who you are, all the detectives in the room. I wonder who that was. And so that's part of what faith promise is. is you, you don't, it's not up to you to come up with that money. That's why it's called a faith promise. God gives you a number. You trust him by faith. You make a promise that when it comes in, you're going to give it to this campaign. And if he doesn't, you're completely free. Nobody's calling you. Nobody's following up with you. It's not a pledge. You don't put your name on it. It's just between you and God. And there's something to be said of standing in that place of faith, not having any idea of knowing where that money's going to come from. And all of a sudden it comes in. I'm telling you, it builds your faith when you step into that place of depending upon him and it is powerful. It's powerful. So we're in this series on prayer that we're, we're kind of wrapping up a little bit tonight. And then Juice again is going to bring home the, the home stretch. And so the, we're calling it Prayer ASAP, right? So we're repurposing this acronym, this abbreviation. So some people have been sending me new acronyms all week in email, Facebooking me, right? So we've been having some fun with that. So I got a bunch, but I at least had to share one with you before we get into the, into the meat of the sermon. This was, this was a new one, YOLT, right? So YOLO, we talked about that, you only live once, right? And then I gave my, my Fredism, right, YOLF, which is you only live forever because as Christians we believe in eternal life. So anybody seen this one bouncing around on Facebook? YOLT, it's what? You only live twice because that's what happened to Lazarus. That was the tagline, right? So you get, you get YOLT if you've been, I see you guys didn't think that was, I thought that was hilarious. All right, help me. Even if you don't think they're funny, it's good for me if you laugh. It's, it's affirming, it's affirming, it's affirming. All right. Nice. See, there you go. That was good. That was good. That was good. When we're in crisis, when we have needs, when we are waiting for something we cannot imagine living without, when our situation seems hopeless, and when our turn has not yet come, God simply says, as soon as prayer. As soon as prayer. If what you are waiting for hasn't happened yet, pray. Because prayer is what God is waiting for. 
And if you have already prayed, pray again. Because prayer is the only place you will find the patience, endurance, and perseverance to continue trusting in the timing of a sovereign God. Every series we pick what we call a life verse. You see that scrolling through in the video announcements. And that's kind of the springboard, the theme for the series that we might be in. And we're going to use Job 21.15 all the way through the hashtag clad series. And we're going to do the first part of that verse for that series. What we've been doing the last part of this verse for this series, what good will it do us to pray? And each week we've been trying to tackle some ideas of, of why we don't pray enough. Because for many of you in this room... You know tons of verses about prayer. You've read lots of books about prayer. You've sat through lots of sermons about prayer. But when you look into your life, your prayer life is lacking. And so part of this series has all been about not necessarily to teach you more about prayer, but to set you free so that you become a person of prayer. So in this series, we like to do some giveaways here at the City Life Church. So I got a, a couple of things up here. So somebody who's never gotten a giveaway before, somebody give me one of the P points, all the points, right? Have been, we, we make it easy for you to remember, and I have an alliteration addiction. So, so one of the, the P's that we've covered over the last couple of weeks, somebody who's never gotten a giveaway before. Anybody? Who are my note takers? No? No? Anybody? I see Saber pointing. Yeah? No? Anybody? Note takers? All right, Kevin procrastination nice the kevin tully cd come on that's good that's good all right how about one more somebody give me another one bernie posture posture yes got a gift card there from panera nice you can clap you should clap better than that for people come on you guys are having a hard time affirming people tonight Somebody sent me this not too long ago. It's his wife's diary. Tonight I thought my husband was acting weird. That's most nights. <clears throat> we had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner. I was shopping with my friends all day long, so I thought he was upset at the fact that I was a bit late, but he made no comment on it. Conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested that we go somewhere quiet so we could talk, and he agreed, but he didn't say much. I asked him what's wrong. He said nothing. I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset, and he said he wasn't upset, and that it had nothing to do with me, and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him that I loved him, and he smiled slightly and kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he, he didn't say, I love you too, and when we got home, I felt as if I had lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore, and he just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent, and finally, with silence, uh, all around, I decided to go to bed, and 15 minutes later, he came to bed, but I, I just felt that he was so distracted, and I cried myself to sleep. It's such a sad diary entry, isn't it? This is the husband's diary right here. Boat couldn't start, can't figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So if that's your story of marriage, we've got a great marriage retreat coming up. Got a great marriage retreat coming up. But that's one of the pitfalls for me. If you've been married for any amount of time, you know that you get into trouble because you assign intent to your spouse based on what you see and hear. That maybe has nothing to do with why they're acting the way that they're acting. And the same thing happens with us and God. The same thing happens. We pray and nothing happens and all of a sudden our imagination kicks in and we begin to assign all of this intent to God that has nothing to do with who He is. 
But one of the challenges that we face in prayer is that we blame God for things that he has nothing to do with. And part of this idea of having a conversation with God in prayer is to be willing to ask him some questions when you find yourself in a place of confusion. Part of prayer is just as much about listening as it is talking. Just as much about listening as it is communicating. And so when you find yourself in a place of confusion, just as you do in your marriage, what makes marriage healthy, what makes marriage vibrant is that you've got really good communication with each other it's the same in your relationship with God. If you're not sure what he's doing, then take time to ask him. He's got answers for every question that you could ever bring. All right, so the one that we're going to talk about tonight, and then we're going to go back into a time of worship, we might do two, we'll see, is this idea of position. So as Bernie said, we talked about posturing last week, which has to do with all the things that the Bible says about how you should position or posture your physical body in prayer. But we're using the word position now not to talk about posture, but we're using the word position to talk about where you are on the inside. So there's something about prayer, what you do on the outside, but then a huge part of prayer is knowing where you are in here. And that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to get at in Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. He says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We love that verse. We preached on that not too long ago this year that, that, that you were made for excess. God created you for excess. The problem is we just apply and give ourselves an excess to unhealthy things. God wants you to give yourself an excess to all the things that are life-giving. And so Paul says, hey, don't give yourself an excess to drunkenness. Give yourself to excess to this life as a devoted follower of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, which is a great reference to this idea of spiritual language being a part of our worship life. Singing spiritual, long, spiritual songs among yourselves. And then listen to this, making music to the Lord in your heart. Verse 20 says, and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to turn to Jude 1.20, the writer of Jude, inspired by the Holy Spirit, talks about praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, we like to pair Jude 1.20 with Ephesians 5.20 because Jude 1.20 helps us to understand what Paul's talking about. When you finish your prayer, as you hear us do all the time here, we say, in the name of Jesus Christ. Using that name and ending your prayer in that way has very little to do with what you say when you pray as much as it has to do with where you are when you pray. It is a declaration of the position of in here in relation to the Father. It's our way at the end of our prayer reminding ourselves that we are one of his children. John 1, 11 through 12, it says he came to his own people. Meaning that we know that the, the, the nation of Israel was the nation that God chose to reveal himself to the world. And so when it says it came to his own people, he was born as an Israelite. He was born as a Jewish person. It says he came to his own people and even they rejected him. In verse 12 it says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Now, a phrase that you hear commonly in life is, right, like, we're all God's children. Maybe you've said that. Maybe you've heard people say that, but it's not true. We're not all God's children. We're all a part of God's creation, but we're not a part of his family until we've made a vow of devotion to Christ. We call it taking your first spiritual breath. 
Now, I'm not saying the next time you hear somebody say, we're all God's children, right? You should be a bully with the truth. Don't do that, right? Don't be obnoxious with the truth. But in your heart, you should understand the difference. In your heart, you should understand the difference between what it means to be a part of his creation and what it means to be a part of his family. And, and John the Apostle is writing here that in order for us to be in the family, in order for us to be a child of God, there's got to be a moment where we make a vow of devotion to Christ. We're going to look at the story of Nicodemus in the October-November series it's a powerful story and that's where Jesus says to Nicodemus lest a person be born again he cannot see the kingdom of heaven he's saying hey Nicodemus there is a birthing that has to take place inside of you that determines your position on the inside in relation to the creator of the universe you can live as his creation for the rest of your life or you can take a step today and become a part of his family. And when you become a part of his family, there's a sense of confidence that wells up inside of you that you have access to him because he's now your father. So Claire, the other night, our, our youngest, our daughter, she had a, a bloody nose in the middle of the night. And so she came into, into our room. I didn't, I didn't hear anything about it until the next day, which is typical for me because I'm, I'm a pretty heavy sleeper, pretty heavy sleeper. So, so we were on, even when we were on vacation, there was this, this huge storm passed through when we were down at, at Lake Gaston, and I slept right through it. I mean, when we got up in the morning, I was one of the ones that was up early. I had gone to bed early, and just all of our stuff was all scattered throughout the woods. I was like, what on earth happened, you know, while I was asleep? And people were like, how did you sleep through that thunder and lightning? And, you know, I'm just snoring away. So I'm one of those people. So when the kids come in in the middle of the night, I usually don't hear about it until the next day. Vanessa's always excited about that. Bet you didn't know what happened last night, did you? Like, nope, got no idea, got no idea. So she comes in, and, and, and Claire, when she comes in and she needs help in the middle of the night, when she woke up and saw that her nose was bleeding, you know what she did not do? She didn't go outside and get her bicycle out of the shed, get her flashlight and pedal on down to Tim and Christy's house, stand in their bedroom, although we would have preferred that she do that. Right? <laughs> Tim's not waking up in the middle of the night and seeing my kids in his room asking for help. Why, why not? Because they know that across the hall, there are people that love them with an indescribable love. And that it doesn't matter the time of day, they have access to us. There was, Claire didn't linger in the hallway, should I go in or should I not go in? Should I go in or should I, are they going to help me or are they not going to help me? She stands in there and she says, right, I know dad's asleep, but mom's going to wake up for me. <laughs> she, she stands out there and she says, I know that they are my parents and they love me and they're going to help me. And for you, maybe one of the reasons why your prayer life is lacking is because you have yet to get a revelation of God as your father. I mean, it might be because you've not taken your first spiritual breath yet. Come on. And that opportunity could be waiting for you tonight. But if you've made a vow of devotion to Christ, you have been born into the family of God and you have access to God and he cannot wait for you to come and share with him the needs and the stuff that you're facing because he loves you with an indescribable love. And when you get a revelation of the love of God for your life, you can't help but spend time on your needs pouring out your heart to him. This is in Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Let's start in verse 46. It says, He was still speaking to the crowds when suddenly his mother and brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. 
Someone told him, look, your, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But he replied to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here's my mother and my brothers and whoever does the will of my father in heaven, that person is my brother and sister and mother. I'm going to read that part again. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, that person is my brother and my sister and my mother. So this week I got to go and, and, and visit with, uh, with, with Cameron and Jennifer Muro, who's been coming to the church now for, for about a year or so, and, and, and they had their, their, their first baby this week. And so uh, they, they named her Jerry. And uh, it's a family name, but they, they spell, I think it's J-E-R-I. Is it J-E-R-I? And, and uh, just precious, precious little girl. Precious little girl. Now, we weren't there when, 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 when she was born, right? Because that would have been weird. So, <laughs> so we're out there, hey, get over here. See, so you're warming up now. You're warming up a little bit now. But I've got three kids of my own, and I'm telling you, there was a moment where he held his daughter for the very first time. It's powerful to think about, isn't it? I mean, there was a moment where he held out his hands, and he physically held his daughter for the very first time. And I'm telling you that Cameron's going to remember that moment for the rest of his life, for the rest of of his life. And because they're going to be great parents, because they're going to be a great mom, and because, because he's going to be a great dad, that little girl, Jerry, she's going to live her whole life with this belief that she's the most important thing in the world to them. She's going to live her life knowing that there is nothing in this world, apart from their relationship with Christ and after their marriage, because that's the order of things. Come on, we'll be talking about that, the marriage getaway. She's number one. She's number one. And they're going to instill that belief in her. They're going to instill that desire in her. They're going to instill that passion in her that, that, that there's nothing that she's not ever going to be able to bring to them and find a place of acceptance from them because he's her father. When, when Claire was a little girl, what she would always say was, hold you me, right, when she wanted to be held. She'd come, you know, bouncing in with that little blonde hair and those blue eyes. Hold you me, hold you me, right? And so then what I would say to her is, well, when you learn how to speak in complete sentences, maybe I'll pick you up. <laughs> right? Who says that, right? Right? You don't say that. You pick that little child up and you hold them. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Nothing is more important to you in that moment than that moment. And maybe for some of you, and, and, and you, you don't pray a lot because you, you feel like you sound like hold you me, right? I don't know how to pray like that person prayer. I've been in church before and I hear people pray. I, I can't pray like they pray. God doesn't care about that. If, if all you got is a hold you me, then you bring that to him. He will pick you up. He will pick you up. It's not, you're not performing for him in your prayer. It's not about eloquence. It's not, you're not a little Harry Potter. And if you don't get the incantation just the right way, it's not going to turn out the way that you hoped that it would. That's not what it's about. That's not what it's about in Hebrews chapter 4. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Oh, I love this verse. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. 
It's great because Celeste alluded to this in, in worship. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. Don't you love that it doesn't say here, therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we can get whatever we want when we need it? Aren't you glad that it doesn't say approach the throne of grace with boldness because when you come there, he's just going to do whatever you want? Don't you love that the Holy Spirit inspired the writer of Hebrews to put here what we need more than anything else? We need mercy and grace because he's got some things under his seat cushion, some stuff from your past that your greatest need is to know that you've been forgiven for that stuff. And this word boldness that, that the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Some people think it was the Apostle Paul and done some studying that, that some people believe that it was, uh, it was Priscilla, which was Aquila's wife, and, and that she didn't put her name on it because she lived in a day and time where it wouldn't have been accepted because it came from a woman. Don't you, aren't you glad we don't live in that world today? Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jenna. It doesn't mean that you come to the throne of grace arrogantly. It doesn't mean that you come to the throne of grace with a sense of entitlement. It doesn't mean that you come to the throne of grace with a chip on your shoulder that says, I'm in some contractual relationship with the creator of the universe, and I read the manual, and it says, if I do these things, you've got to do those things. And there's teaching streams out there that, that, that kind of go down that path. And I think that breaks God's heart because it takes out of prayer, which is really what prayer is about. It's about love. What, what makes prayer such a powerful thing is that it's a way that we get to have a love relationship with our Father who is in heaven. That we come with boldness because we're like Claire in the middle of the night and we know we don't even have to knock on the door that he's waiting for us. And part of the beauty and the wonder of the creator of the universe is that he's able to give all of his attention to every person in the universe all at the same time. How do we figure that out? We can't. So we just keep going and saying, I know that he's ministering to that person. I know he's giving attention to that person. And I know that he's going to give me all that he is in that moment. And I am telling you, there is nothing greater than to wake up every day for the rest of your life knowing that you have that kind of relationship with the creator of the universe, even with the only thing that you can muster in your time of prayer is a hold you me. He can't wait to pick you up. And so we're just believing God that as you move out of this series, and I think we're, again, we're going to pick up with prayer again as, as we, we move forward for the rest of this year, that something is going to change in your life as a follower of Christ. That prayer is not going to be an obligation to you. That prayer is not going to be something that you check off of a list because I feel guilty because I haven't done it yet today. But there is going to be something deep and burning inside of you that wells up that you just can't wait to find a moment where you can get alone with God and just begin to pour out your heart. We're going to invite the worship team to come back up because we want to create some. We've kind of switched things up tonight because we want to create some opportunities for you to do just that, to pray. We want to create some. We've, we've, we've intentionally packed the back end of the service with some time tonight because we want to create an opportunity for some of you to be held by your father. So this week, I was taking Ethan. We were heading out to the, to the gun range and, and uh, we showed up and it was, uh, it, was, it was around 7 o'clock, and, and it was full. There was a, a line to get in. There's 10 lanes. There were only five open. I was, you know, I was irritated, and it's like, come on, are you kidding me, right? Because that's our, our first reaction. All right, it's my first reaction. It might not be yours, but it's mine. 
So I was irritated, and Ethan and I were there, and we're like, all right, we're, we're not going to wait, because, you know, we're not going to wait an hour to, to I'll, we'll just do it later. So I was like, well, I'll just come tomorrow morning. That was Thursday night. I was like, I'll just come back early Friday morning, because I've got prayer in Williamsburg from 6.30 to 7.30. I'll just sneak in, and, and, and I did some things to the gun, and I wanted to test it. And so, so I said, I'll just sneak in on the, on the way back through. There certainly won't, there won't be anybody here at 7.30 in the morning. And there wasn't, except for the lady that was filling the vending machine, Elaine. So I come in, and, and uh, she's there packing the vending machine, and, and uh, I said, hey, how are you doing? She turned around, and she said, oh, I, I am so tired. I've been working all night. It's crazy. The Holy Spirit just begins to stir my heart, right? So now I know, right, right out of the gate, right? It's like, that's why the lanes were all full last night, right? God was just prompting people to go shoot on Thursday night. You, you, we got to pack this place out. Because Fred's supposed to be here Friday morning. I've tried to tell him, but he keeps going on Thursday because he's stubborn that way. But we, we got to get him here on Friday morning. Nope, nobody else is there. So you, there's this lobby area, and you got to get your eyes and your ears on right before you go in, put your glasses and your headphones on. And, and, uh, and so, you know, what part of my commitment, I've shared that with you. I'm a very task-oriented person. That's one of my M548 priorities. I need to do better at not walking away from the moments that God puts in front of me. And so I just I knew in my heart, you know, hey, this is a moment. This is a moment. So she, you know, I started talking about it. I said, oh, wow. So I just started asking her some questions. Do you live here? Have you been doing this work long? And, and, uh, and she said, what do you do? And, and I said, I'm a pastor. And she looked at me kind of funny, right, because I got flip-flops on and jeans. And, and uh, she's thinking this guy's lying to me, right? But he's got a gun, so I'm not going to argue with him. And she said, did you, did, you, did you hear that story about that family that got killed in that car accident? Like, I had no idea what she was talking about. I said, no, I didn't. So she was telling me this, this story of some friends that she had, and, and it was this summer they were on vacation. They were in a car accident in Pennsylvania. It was grandparents. There were children in the car, and the, and the, and the grandparents died on impact, but the, the children survived. And she starts telling me this incredible story of this funeral that she went to at this church. And you could tell by the way she was talking, she, church isn't a place where she normally is, right? But she, she's crying. I mean, right here in this lobby, right, on the Fritos, and, and just tears are streaming down her face, and she's telling the story of this funeral of, 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 these, of these, these, these two people. And she said, I've never been in a room where people were, were so loved like that. Right? So I'm saying to myself, if I don't share the gospel with this woman, I'm the worst pastor in the world, right, in this moment. So I looked at her, and, and I said, do you ever think about what it's going to be like for you? When you're the one that's in the room because people are there because you've passed? What kind of impact? When you look at your life, Elaine, what, what kind of impact have you had? She's, tears are streaming down her face. She said, I, I believe in the Lord. I, kn I know that I'm going to heaven. She said, but I got, I got, some, I got some problems, Pastor. She listed off a few things and I looked at her and I said, God doesn't care about any of those things, Elaine. He has grace for those things. And, and, and if you'll come to him, if you'll come to him, he might give you some stuff that he wants you to change, but he's not going to ask you to change all that stuff right away. And there was some pretty heavy stuff on that list. So, I said, Elaine, if you wait till you got your life all together before you let God be a father to you, he never will. You're always going to feel estranged from him. You gotta come just like you are. Just like you are. It's a powerful moment. And so I started talking with her about different churches in the area from where she lived. And she had this biggest smile on her face. She turned back around to start 
filling up the vending machine. I went in and shot some and, and came back out and, and just talked with her a little bit more to make sure she was, she was okay. And it was funny because she said, she said, I don't really think you're a pastor because you had those flip-flops on. I've never seen a pastor wear flip-flops before. I said, well, I'm preaching these at my church, Elaine. She got a big kick out of that. I'm saying there are moments waiting for you in your life. If you're not careful, you'll just, you'll run past the Elaine's of the world who just, they, they don't need to figure out all the theological questions that the church gets. They're important questions, don't get me wrong. But Elaine doesn't care about that stuff. Elaine just needs to know that God loves her. And it's just not hard. It's not hard to be a person in the world that tells people, yes, he does. I gotta believe that that day was different for Elaine than it's ever been before. I'm praying that Elaine's gonna find her way into this church one day. Come on, right? It's good. When, when it does, I'm gonna be able to introduce you. I'm gonna say, this is Elaine, and I'll wink, like, you know, because you know, right? Or, or some other church that I was telling her about. I was telling her some other churches. I'm praying for Elaine. I'm praying for Elaine. God, come on. Let her get into one of these rooms. She can't do this life by herself. Father, we even just li we lift her up to you right now. Not just the lane, but all the lanes of our life. Our world is full of lanes, God. They're full of them. Help us to not be so busy that we pass them by on the road and don't stop. Help us, God, to be attentive in our life. And we know, God, that prayer is a part of that. Father, when we look into the, to the life of Jesus, we find that sometimes he would spend all night, night praying because and, and, you, were, you were downloading in his heart all the things that were waiting for him that day. Come on, help us, Father, to be a person that's willing to get alone with you so that you can give us some insight for what's waiting for us in the days to come ahead so we're ready for it when we face it. Help us to be a, a people, God, that we're just not... We're not so preoccupied with the things that we've got to do that we forget the greatest things that we'll ever do, which is to point somebody to you. That we'll miss the greatest things that we'll, that we'll ever do, that we're going we're gonna to be a part of someone's story for them taking their first spiritual breath. Father, we think about those people that waded out into the waters in Yorktown this morning and all the people in this room that were a part of, that are now part of their story. We thank you, Father, for all those people that waded out into the waters of their baptism, God, and for all the stories that they're going to be a part of in the lives of other people next year wading out into those waters. Father, let burn in us a passion for prayer. Let burn in us. Let it burn in us, O oh God, a hunger to get on our knees, to fall on our face, to bathe ourselves in your presence, hold you me moments, and that you would hold us tight. I'm going to ask you to just to keep your head bowed in this moment. We just want to create a moment of privacy just right here. It's great this, this morning. As people wait out under the water. We, we, they, they write something for us to read. And, and, and one of the, the ladies read, it was, it was Jennifer. She's here tonight. She said, I was in a service. And, and you said, if there's anybody here tonight, when you look back into, your, into the story of your life, you can't find a moment where you've made a vow of devotion to Christ. If that's you, just uh, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And, and Jennifer, she slipped her hand up in that, in that service. 
She got baptized today. It's good stuff, isn't it? So you might be here tonight. That might be you. And you look back into the story of your life, maybe you can't, you can't find that moment. You find a moment where you're at vacation Bible school, or you find a moment where you're in a church service, or maybe you found a moment where you were in a lane somewhere and you ran into somebody and they encouraged you a little bit. But when you, but when you really look into your story, you cannot find a moment where you made a vow, where you said, Jesus, my life belongs to you. I'm going to live for you all the days of my life. If you can't find that moment, come on, just in the privacy of this moment, will you raise your hand? Will you just say, I just, I want to slip my hand up tonight. It just is, is my way of saying to God, hold you me. I'm not going to stay here long. Just, we, just want to create, we just want to create this opportunity for you. You know there's something stirring inside of your heart. You, you want what you hear us talking about. There's something inside of you that's aching for that kind of relationship where you know God is your best and closest friend. Stand with me as we worship. Father, I pray for every person that's, that's here tonight that maybe it's been a long time since they've been held by you. The person that's here tonight that they've just been silent in their, in their, in their walk with you. For the person that's, that, that's here tonight that, that feels unlovable, for the person that's here tonight because they're afraid of the stuff that you've got under the seat cushion of your chair. For the person that's, that's here tonight where they're just not sure if they come knocking on the door that, that you're going to let them in. Father, we pray that there's going to be a breakthrough for them tonight. We pray that every person here is going to leave here with a sense of confidence that they're your favorite child. That every person here is going to leave here with a heart that is so captured by your grace and your mercy and your affection that they're going to leave here with a sense of confidence that they are your favorite child. Birth something alive in us, O oh God, that changes us and transforms us and unleashes, unleashes grace into this world that's unspeakable. In Jesus' name, come on, in Jesus' name, let's worship together.